Are we there? Yay, yep. there we are. Um, we're just going to follow the Lord, the direction of the Lord, and uh, I was just listening to the Holy Ghost, and uh, 
you know, Brother Larry preached this morning, ministered this morning on our biggest problem. What's our biggest problem? Our mind. This thing right here in between our ears is our mind. And, uh, you know, the word says that um, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Amen. And that you have what, what you, you say, say. Yeah, also. Right. Doesn't read it just like that, but you understand what I'm saying. Um, and uh, it actually says that uh, you'll eat the fruit thereof is actually what it says. So what you say is what you're going to eat in life. Mm -hmm. And uh, many years ago, the Lord gave me a confession uh, for our youth department. And we use it every Wednesday night in this house. And uh, so we're going to do our confession tonight. Our Wednesday night. Our Wednesday night <laughs> confession. And uh, we like to do it this way. We like to grab a hold of our Bible. How much do you know that this is your brain? Yes. Your brain is, believe it or not, your brain is not in here. Your brain is in this book right here. Your brain. You just, just, he, <laughs> Brother Larry said not to, uh, what, you, what was it, not, uh, not to remove your mind, but to renew your mind. Well, right. Here's what you replace it with. Amen. Is this right here? Amen. So we like to hold our Bible. We like to let God know that we know what this is. We like to say, yep, body, you know what this is. This is actually your brain. And we like to say, devil, we know what this is yes. too. Amen. So let's confess this together. This, this is, is my Bible. Bible. It, it is, is always true and the final authority. My Bible is God talking to me. I read this word daily. I meditate on this word day and night. This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. I walk according to the spirit. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts. God's words are my words. God's actions are my actions. I am a doer of the word. Glory to God. And how much you know, You every single day when you pull your Bible out, you need to confess it. Not just on Sunday night, but every time you pull your Bible out, you need to confess that, get that word down in you, and, and begin to, and just say, I think what God thinks. I say what God says. I do what God does. Because how much you know? That's what Jesus did. That's, right. that's what the Father God does. And that's what the Holy Ghost leads us and guides us to do. So we've got to get this word on the inside of us, and it's got to become who we are. Amen. And it was just really on my heart to just confess that tonight. Amen. And uh, just, just, you know, we've got to get it in us. We've got to get it in us. And uh, on that note, do you have anything else for them tonight? No. No? Well, we'll pray. And I was going to do the same thing. Oh, <laughs> praise <laughs> the Lord. We were on track. Praise God. Well, we'll pray, and then we'll stand and worship, and I think y'all got, what, two or three songs, and whenever y'all are ready, and what have you, y'all just have free course, free, pray, prophesy, declare, shout, jump, whatever the Lord says to do, do it. So, Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for the faithfulness of um, Reverends Larry and Angela Keaton. Father, we thank you that you've sustained them through the years and you continue to sustain them. And, Father, we're so thankful that you've supernaturally connected our hearts to theirs. And, Father, we thank you for the giftings, the impartations, and the anointings that flow in them and through them. And so, Father, we just prepare ourselves. We have an ear to hear and an eye to see and a heart to receive. 
And Father, this is your service. Not our plan, not our purpose, not our design, but yours. And so, Father, we thank you for the word coming forth this evening. And, Father, we'll receive it upon the good ground of the heart. And, Father, now we just want to worship you and honor you and enter into your gates and enter into your courts and enter into your presence. And, Father, we welcome the Holy Spirit here. We welcome the angels to assist in Jesus' mighty name. Father, allow your glory to come. And, Father, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise and all that agree. Shout, Amen. Amen. Well, let's worship.
praise to you, Father God. Praise to you, Father God. We sing to you and only you, Father God. Glory, glory, glory. You are 
Lord. And I
What do you do? Construction or? I don't know. Okay. But a business. Okay. I see that business being promoted. I thought you were in construction, but hey, that's just fine. Having a, your own lawn service would be great. Father, we thank you that yeah. this young man prospered. His business prospered. Right now, we speak blessings on that business. I thank you, Father, that your hand comes upon it, that you give him so many customers, he's got to hire other people yep. to help him. We thank you, Father, for your favor being upon him. And, Lord, the same thing we prayed for Jackie. If he desires to be married, we thank you that you have that That's godly right. mate for him, the one who will stand by his side, be zealous for God, be hot for God, and together they'll serve you hand in hand. And we thank you, Father God, for your hand of blessing upon his life in Jesus' name. Yeah. Now, Father, we thank you for Derek. Thank you for 31 years and many more to come. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your hand of promotion upon him. Whether he stays in that exact uh, place, the hospital where he is, Lord, or whether you transfer him out to some other place, but we thank you that he moves up the rank, up yeah. the rank to become an administrator. We thank you, Father. You've given him the skills. You've given him the wisdom and the ability. And we thank you, Father, that your favor is all over him. And the same thing that we said to the others. If he desires to be married, we thank you, Father. Yeah. You have a godly mate for him who will serve God together with him, Father. You, Father. In Jesus' name, thank you for your hand coming upon him and blessing him and prospering him in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank Amen. You, Lord. Thank Glory. Your mic's still not working. Is it? It went, it went out, out again. again. Well, I don't do real good with a handheld because I have to hold this and scroll. Well. I guess we will. <laughs> okay. There. That there sounds good. There it is. Okay. I just believe the house may have picked that up so that they can hear it if they want to and need to. Okay, you can be seated. I thought I'd do that later, but it seemed like the anointing was there for it in the beginning. You always want to flow with the anointing. Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 26. But I'm reading out, you'll see the King James, I imagine, up here. But I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 26. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Now, earlier in this chapter, Jesus told the parable of, of uh, the sower. And then the disciples wanted an explanation of that. And so he explained to them that the seed is the word of God. So we could read it this way. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters the seed of the word of God on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First a blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, 
and finally the grain ripens. So what is Jesus saying? If the seed of the word of God can just get planted in a human heart, it has the ability in and of itself to sprout and grow and produce a harvest. The title of my message tonight is Plant the Gospel Seed. I told you that I was probably going to follow up the message last night with, with something about personal evangelism. Because as I ended the message last night on all the signs of Jesus returning, I said one of the things that we need to be doing in this short amount of time that we have before Jesus returns is that we need to be sharing the gospel wherever we can. So in, in teaching tonight, which it's not going to be so much a teaching, I'm usually a line-on-line teacher, but I'm going to be sharing some personal experiences tonight. Now, in sharing those, I don't want you to get the idea that I think I'm some kind of hero or the great example that you need to follow, okay? But I don't know your story, so I have to tell you mine. Uh, Let me start by asking you a question. How many of you have ever planted a seed and had the plant come up the same day? That just doesn't happen, does it? Well, when it comes to planting the gospel seed, we'd all like to see that plant come up the same day. We'd like to see the person pray with us immediately to receive Jesus. And thank God there are times when that happens. We just share the gospel and immediately that person receives and prays to receive Jesus. But then at other times it can take days, it can take weeks, even months, even years before we see that seed come up. When I was in high school, uh, there was a girl that I went to school with I'm going to just call her Blair because I know these things go out over the Internet and I wouldn't want her to be embarrassed if she ever saw it. But uh, I'll call her Blair. And Blair was one of those kind of people you would be intimidated to approach. She was just a a rough person. And she had a foul mouth. She bragged all the time about her drinking and her partying. And my best friend and I, we were both Christians, uh, we were kind of afraid of her, actually. But we had a a burden for her, a heart for her. And so we prayed for her all year long. And so at the end of the year, graduation was approaching. We were seniors, so we knew we wouldn't be seeing her again. And so we didn't know what to do. So we prayed about it, and the only thing that we felt like we could do was write her a letter. Now, I know that sounds like the chicken way out, and it was, but you got to remember where we were. We were kids. And so we wrote her this letter, and in the letter we each shared our testimony of how we received Jesus and what it had meant in our lives, and then we we told her how to pray the prayer to receive Jesus. But then we had a dilemma. Who's going to give the letter to Blair? So we did the spiritual thing. We drew straws. And I was hoping and praying that I would not get the long straw, and sure, I mean the short straw, and sure enough, my friend got it. I was so relieved. So one day after school, my friend runs out to Blair's car while she's getting in the car and sticks the letter in her hand. She came back in school. I was waiting for her in the girls' bathroom, and we screamed. (laughs) We had done it. You know, Blair never said one word to us about that letter. But we found out a few days later that while the teacher had us in another room doing something for her, Blair passed that letter around the entire study hall to get a few laughs. And everybody in the study hall read it. Well, a couple of weeks later, right before graduation, two girls in our senior class were killed when an Amtrak train ran into the car that they were riding in. 
Now, I know they had read that letter, so I pray that sometime in that two-week interval they receive Jesus as their Savior. But what happened to Blair? Well, years went by, and I went back to my hometown to visit my parents, and I was out shopping in the mall, and all of a sudden I hear somebody call my name, Angela, Angela, and I turned around, and there was Blair. I almost didn't recognize her, and she had three children with her. And she came walking up to me, and she said, I'm Blair. She said, these are my kids. She said, we all go to a Pentecostal church. I almost fainted. I mean, what happened? The seed came up, just like the Bible says it would. My first full-time ministry position was at a little Assembly of God church in southern Mississippi. And the, I was the youth, youth and Christian education minister, and the pastor got it on his heart that every Friday night we were going to go to the mall. He rented a flatbed truck, and he set that flatbed truck up. A man in the church managed the big grocery store right next to the mall, and he told us we could park on his property and plug our equipment into his outdoor sign. So we did this every Friday night for months, you know, because it stays warm down there in the south. And so... Uh, for months on end. He, I would lead worship. We had a couple of musicians from the church that would come along. I would lead worship, and the pastor would get up and preach to the open air. And people would pull up in their cars. They would roll down their windows. Some would stay a while. Others didn't stay very long as soon as they could tell what we were doing. Uh, some people yell things that weren't very nice as they drove away. But we did this, like I said, for months, and we never saw even one person get saved. Nobody ever called the church afterwards and said, you know, I was there Friday night, heard you preach, I gave my life to Jesus, none of that. So it looked like for all practical purposes we had just wasted our time. But I was back in that town years later preaching for a friend of mine who had started a church there, and after the service this woman came walking up wearing a police uniform, and she said, you don't know me, but I know you. She said, years ago, she said, I was a student at the university here, and she said, every Friday night, me and my friends would get drunk, and we would come to the mall, and we would sit in the back of the parking lot with our windows down and make fun of all of you. But she said, I could never get away from what I heard. And she said, eventually, I got born again. She said, I'm spirit-filled, and I attend this church, and I'm on the police force here in town. What happened? The seed came up. I read a story, a true story, about a minister who went to preach a convention in England. And after the convention, he was meeting with a group of pastors. And you know how it is when you meet another Christian for the first time. One of the first things you ask each other is, how did you get saved? How did you receive Jesus? So they were all going around sharing how they received Jesus. And he kept hearing the same story over and over again from several of the pastors. They were in Sydney, Australia, each you know, for a different reason. They were walking downtown Sydney when this little man stepped out and put a tract in their hand. And eventually that tract led to their salvation, and now they're pastors in the United Kingdom. So then he left there, and he went down to the Caribbean, and he preached a convention, and several missionaries that he met there had basically the same story. In Sydney, Australia, walking downtown, little old man puts a tract in their hand. So then later on, he preached in the United States to a group of 1,000 Navy chaplains. And after the meeting, the head chaplain took him out to lunch, and he began to tell him how he got saved. 
He said, I was a sailor. My ship docked in Sydney. I got drunk. I was walking downtown Sydney, and this little old man stepped out and put something in my hand. And he said, I got back to my ship, and he said, I read it. It was a track. It was the gospel. And he said, I knelt by my bunk and gave my life to Jesus. He said, now I am over all thousand of these Navy chaplains. And he said, we're all avid soul winners. So then this minister goes to India, and he preaches a convention for 5,000 Native Indian evangelists. And after the meeting, that guy who was head over all of these evangelists he begins to talk to him and tell him his story of how he got saved. He said, I was on business in Sydney, Australia. I walked downtown. A little man stepped out and put something in my hand. I, I read it. I didn't really understand it. So when I got back to India, I went to my Hindu priest. He didn't know how to help me. But he said, there's an American missionary over here. Maybe he can help you. So he went to the American missionary who led him to Jesus. Now he's the head over these 5,000 Indian native evangelists, he said, we're winning hundreds of thousands of people to Jesus. So finally, this evangelist or this minister ends up going to Sydney, Australia and preaching in a church there. And he tells the story to the pastor. And the pastor says, oh, I know that little man. Would you like to meet him? I'll take you to his house. So he, they go to the little man's house and they sit down and they start telling this little man all of these stories. And he just begins to weep. He said, he said, I was a reprobate. I was in horrible condition when Jesus saved me. And he said, I was so grateful. I wanted to do something for the Lord, but I didn't know really what I could do. So I just decided I would go downtown Sydney one day a week, and I would hand out tracts. He said, I did that for 40 years, one day a week. He said, and I never knew if even one person got saved as a result. How many of us would continue for 40 years without seeing any fruit? I mean, most of us wouldn't last more than a few weeks. He did this every week. He said, there were a few times I was sick and I couldn't go. But for the most part, every week, one day a week, for 40 years, handing out tracts. So when he heard all these stories about these people that had gotten saved, he just wept. Well, a few months later, he died. Can you imagine the greeting that man received in heaven? Hundreds of thousands of people greeting him in heaven and thanking him for being faithful to just hand out those tracts one day a week. As soon as I heard that story, I became a tract hander outer. You know, you never know what the person that you reach for Jesus will end up doing for the kingdom. There was an evangelist who preached a meeting here in North Carolina many years ago. He preached for two weeks, and he was so discouraged because he didn't see many results. And he even called a minister friend of his. He said, I'm just so discouraged, I wonder if I, I should even quit the ministry. He said, I preached for two weeks, and only one young man got saved named William Graham. He got Billy Graham saved, and he was discouraged and thought maybe he should quit the ministry. You know, sometimes you get to, to see the results of the gospel seed that you plant, but even if you don't, it doesn't mean those people will never be saved. Often you plant a seed in someone's heart, and it takes time for it to grow and produce a harvest. You may not see the results until you get to heaven. But if you've been faithful 
to sow the gospel seed in this life, I believe you will get to heaven and there will be people you've never even met before who will thank you. Thank you for sowing the seed. Thank you for praying for those who are sowing the seed. Thank you for giving so that those who are going can sow the seed. Regardless of whether or not you see results, have faith in the seed. Have faith in the seed, the word of God. You know, Jesus said when a farmer plants seed, it, it, night and day, it's doing something. He, he can sleep and wake up. He doesn't understand how it works. He doesn't understand how the seed grows, but nevertheless, it grows. It doesn't just sit in the ground. The seed does not get confused. If you plant an apple seed, it doesn't get confused and produce a peach tree. And it doesn't sit in the ground and do nothing. Immediately, that little seed starts trying to grow, starts trying to germinate. The same is true of the gospel. It doesn't sit dormant inside a person. Immediately, it begins to work. And it continues to work. And the Holy Ghost takes hold with it and works with it. But if a seed is never planted, then the Holy Ghost has nothing to work with. The gospel is powerful. Even if you're not the one to reap the harvest, that person can still receive Jesus at a later time because you've planted the seed. And guess what? You get the same reward as the person that reaps the seed, that reaps the harvest. So never stop planting the gospel seed any way that you can. And you might say, well, how can I? You know, I'm not called to stand behind a pulpit. How can I plant the gospel seed? Well, the first way to plant the gospel seed is through the witness of your life. The witness of your life. You may have heard the old saying, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Your life is preaching all the time. The way you live your life before others can be one of the greatest sermons you will ever preach. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 14. Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 14. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? I'm reading New King James. It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, often you don't realize it, but once people know you're a Christian or maybe even suspect that there's something different about you, they start watching you. People in your neighborhood, they see you going to church on Sundays. You know, when I was a kid, everybody went to church. You drive through the neighborhood, everybody's getting in the car, all dressed up to go to church. Now we drive through our neighborhood, people are out washing their car, they're mowing their grass. Hardly anybody's going to church. So they see you going to church. They're watching you on your job. They're watching you. Those of you that are in school, they're watching you. What are they seeing? You know, the question has been asked, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you? If you were on trial for being a Christian, could people come forward as character witnesses and say, oh, I know they're a Christian because of this and this and this and this? 
The most popular girl in my senior class came up to me on the last day of school, and she said something that totally shocked me. She said, I have been watching you all year. I'm thinking, really? I mean, she was, she was the homecoming queen. She was head cheerleader. She was Miss Everything in our school. And she had been watching me. And she said, your, your, your life has had a great impact on me. See, you never know who is watching you. I had absolutely no idea that girl had been watching me. Colossians chapter 4, beginning with verse 5. Colossians chapter 4, beginning with verse 5. I like this in the Passion Translation. Colossians 4, beginning with verse 5. It says, walk in the wisdom of God as you live before the unbelievers and make it your duty to make him known. Let every word you speak be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity. For then you will be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks about your faith. As I said earlier, my first ministry position, I was Minister of Youth and Christian Education in a the Assemblies of God Church, and three years into my time there, we had a church split. <laughs> and because of that church split, the church wasn't able to pay me my full salary anymore, so I had to seek secular employment. So I went to work for an insurance agency. And my job was to go over all the applications. The, the, the agents would be out all week long writing applications, and then they would all come in on Friday. And I would go over all those applications line by line, and highlight the places where they had failed to get all the information that they needed. Then I would meet with each one and show them what they needed to go back out and get. And so one, one Friday afternoon, after all the others had left, this man stayed. And he cornered me in the hallway. And he said, there's something different about you. What is it? There's your open door. I shared the gospel with him. So the first way to plant the gospel seed is through the witness of your life. The second way is to follow the inward promptings of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, chapter 4, 8, chapter 8, verse 14, in the New King James, I'm reading this in the New King James, Romans 8, 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now, I like the Passion Translation of this. It says, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Are you moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit? You know, the leading of the Spirit, yes, it's for us personally to help us make right decisions and choices in life, but it's more than that. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us to people who are ready to receive Jesus or people who may be getting their last opportunity to hear the gospel and receive Jesus. A couple of years ago, I was sitting in the waiting room of a doctor's office, and this man came in wheeling his mother in a wheelchair. And it was obvious she had had a stroke. She couldn't talk, so he was doing the talking for her. And I'm just sitting there minding my own business, you know, just waiting for my name to be called. And all of a sudden, I had that impulse of the Holy Spirit. He spoke to me, and he said, she doesn't have much longer to live, and she's not born again. Well, I sat there and I chewed on that and chewed on that and chewed on that. Well, I overheard the man tell the, the person at the desk the nursing home that his mother was in. So this is totally out of character for me, believe me. 
out of character. You can ask Larry. I'm not an extrovert. I am an introvert. Well, I shouldn't keep confessing that. I am exactly what the Lord wants me to be. <laughs> but anyway, I used to be an introvert, and it would be totally out of character for me to do something like I'm getting ready to tell you about. So I went that afternoon. It was so strong in me. She's, getting, she, she's not born again. She's going to die soon. And so I found that nursing home, and I went inside, and I found her. She was sitting in a big room with several other people. I think they were watching TV or something. And I knelt by her wheelchair, and I began to share the gospel with her. And she looked at me with understanding in her eyes. You know, you can tell when somebody's focused in, and they're really hearing what you're saying, and when they're gone in another, in another realm. And so I shared the gospel with her, and I knew she couldn't talk. So I said, I'm going to pray the prayer of salvation. And if you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, you just agree in your heart with what I pray. So I prayed the prayer. When I said amen, it was like that understanding left her. She turned her head and looked away. I just believed that the Lord was giving her an opportunity to hear the gospel and receive Jesus. He gave her that moment of clarity to be able to do that. Uh, many years ago, I went with a friend while I was still a youth minister. I went with a friend. She was going to another city in another state. Her dad was in the hospital, and she wanted somebody to help her drive. So I went with her. And so as we're walking down the hall to get to her dad's hospital room, we passed the ICU waiting room. And there were a crowd of, of fairly young people in there, and they just seemed very distraught. But I kept on walking. And that night, I could hardly sleep for thinking about that, wondering what was going on in there. So the next day, again, totally out of character, I had to summon all my courage and things I didn't know I had. And I walked into that waiting room and I said, can I ask what all of you were here for? Who are you here for? And one man spoke up and he said, my girlfriend took an overdose of pills trying to commit suicide. And she's in a coma and the doctors aren't giving a lot of hope. And I said, well, you know, you have to have permission. They can't just let... 10 people into ICU, you have to have permission. So I asked him, I said, would you let me go into the ICU and pray for her? And he said, yes. So I went in, I laid hands on her, I commanded her to come back to consciousness in the name of Jesus, to be in her right mind, to be totally normal, and then I began to share the gospel with her. And I told her, just like I told that lady in the nursing home, I said, I'm going to pray the prayer of salvation. If you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, you just agree in your heart with what I'm praying. And then I knew of a good church in town because my friend's dad went to it. And so I told her, I said, now when you wake up, go to that church. And I told her the name and the address. And I believe I'll see her in heaven. You say, why do you believe that? Why would God deal with me in such a way if it was going to be for nothing? But, you know, just a little side trip. When people are unconscious or in a coma, they can still hear what's going on around them. So if you have a relative or someone that you're visiting in the hospital or a nursing home, be careful what you say in that room with them. You know, maybe the doctor has given a bad report. Well, don't repeat that in their hearing because people have come out of comas and come out of being unconscious and, and, and could accurately report what people in the room were saying to them and about them. So you can certainly share the gospel with somebody who's unconscious or in a coma. Back to being led. Last year, Larry and I were going to preach in Kansas, and we stopped in Wichita to have some lunch, and we were sitting in line at a McDonald's waiting to get coffee, and then we could leave. 
And across the street, I spotted this old man. He was begging. You know, we see so, so many in the streets now anymore. I don't know about around here, but in Tulsa, I mean like every corner. And so when I saw him, the instant I saw him, the compassion of God rose up on the inside. And I told Larry, I said, we need to go give that man some money. So we drove around the block, and we stopped at a traffic light. And he came up, and I gave him a $20 bill and a track. And all I had time to say was, Sir, Jesus loves you. And he turned around, and as we drove off, I saw him wiping tears. See, you never know. People could have been saved, or they could have had a grandma, you know, that told them about Jesus when they were little. They've gotten away from God, and they think God doesn't care about them because of the circumstances they're in. And maybe all they need is just a reminder, a tangible reminder that God loves them, that God hasn't forgotten about them. He knows where they are. He still cares for them. Another time, there was a, I mean, this is just a couple of times. Another time, there was a Hispanic family standing in a Walmart parking lot. They had a little sign they were holding up in broken English, a mother, a father, three kids, and the mother was holding a baby. And I don't remember exactly what the sign said, something like, no work, need food. And that compassion rose up in me, and I overrode it. I thought, I'm too busy. I've got a bunch of stuff I need to do, and I've got a little amount of time to do it in, and I just drove on by. But the Holy Ghost wouldn't leave me alone. He just kept nudging me, you need to go back. So I went back, and I gave them some money and a Spanish track. I keep Spanish and English tracks in both of our cars at all times because you never know when you're going to encounter somebody. And, of course, Spanish now is even more important because we have so many Spanish-speaking people in the United States now. You can't give to every person begging on the street, and some of them you shouldn't because if you follow them back after they're done, you know, they may drop off in a BMW. That's their profession. They're professional beggars. But be sensitive on the inside. Keep your, Brother Hagen used to call it keeping your spiritual antennas up. As you go about your daily life, keep your spiritual antennas up for people that just maybe even just need an encouraging word. You know, I was, we were sitting in a hotel, was it in Dayton, Tennessee? And there was this man and his wife, and it looked like their grandson that came in. That man was such an encourager. He started talking to the lady, you know, that does the breakfast. And, oh, you're doing such a great job. He said, everything in here is so neat. It looks so good. And then there was somebody else, and he started encouraging them. And I thought, man, he'd be a great person to live with. I mean, he's just encouraging everybody. <laughs> but we ought to be sensitive to people that even need an encouraging word. That could be an open door. They could begin to tell you, oh, you don't know what that means to me. You know, I'm going through a divorce or a this or that. And it gives you an open door to share the gospel with them. A few years ago, the Holy Spirit laid a cousin on my heart that I had had very limited contact with our entire lives. And we happened to be holding a meeting just a few hours from where he lived. So I called him and, and I asked him if we could come visit him and his wife. So we went there and we took them out to lunch. We came back to their house, and we started sharing the gospel with them. He got very defensive, like, you know, my religion is a private matter, yada, 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 like some people do. But I noticed that while we were sharing the gospel, his wife was crying. So I went on and told him how to pray the prayer to receive Jesus. I, I figured she's probably too scared or ashamed or whatever to pray in front of him. 
and he probably wouldn't pray in front of any of us. But I told him, I said, get off by yourself after we're gone sometime in the next day or two and pray this prayer to receive Jesus. Well, a few months later, he got sick and died. And we lost contact with her. I have no idea where she is. But I believe that at least the Lord was giving them an opportunity to hear the gospel and to pray to receive Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit knows who's open and who isn't. He knows who's ready to receive. Now, we don't share the gospel with every waiter and waitress when we go into a restaurant. But there are times when we feel impressed to do so. And we were in Ohio last year uh, out with some pastors that we had just met. We were preaching for them. And when the waitress came up to the table, Larry started sharing the gospel with her. And he told me later, he said, I just sense on the inside she's ready to receive. So he started sharing the gospel with her, and the pastor jumped in. And later on, before we left the restaurant, the pastor led her in a prayer to receive Jesus and gave her some information about the church. And a good tip, yeah. You know, many Christians never share their faith with anyone. No rewards in heaven for winning a soul. They make excuses like, I'm too shy to talk to anyone. Well, listen, if anyone wanted to make that excuse, I could. <laughs> Definitely. But, you know, boldness doesn't come while we're sitting at home on the couch. We don't need boldness to watch TV and drink a Pepsi. Boldness comes when we step out and need it. If you're shy, I encourage you, find some other believers that are bold and go straight witnessing with them sometimes. You don't have to talk. Just tell them... See, I know how this is done because I've done it, okay? I was back in the States. I don't remember. Larry stayed in, in, on the field, on the mission field. I don't remember why I came back. But I was in my hometown at my home church, and they announced that they were having a seminar with this street preacher that they were bringing in, a seminar on evangelism. And I thought to myself, eh, I'm not going to go to that. And the Holy Ghost said, you're going to that. <laughs> so, okay, so I went to the seminar. And then he announced that that night, they were going to uh, send teams out into the street. And I thought, well, I'm definitely not coming to that. And the Holy Ghost said, you're going to that. So I show up in fear and trembling. And they, they divided us up into groups of three. And I immediately told the other two, I said, listen, I'm going to be the silent partner. I will pray for you while you share the gospel. They were okay with that. So we go out and two young fellows were walking across the parking lot of a movie theater. They shared the gospel, and immediately those two teenagers prayed, prayed to receive Jesus. So we moved on a little bit further. Somebody else immediately prayed to receive Jesus. Man, by this time, it's, it's addicting to lead people to Jesus. I told them, I said, I'm taking the next one. And I did, and they did. And in a period of just about an hour, we led 15 people to Jesus. See, we think people aren't interested. We think people don't care. They're not interested in religion. They're interested in Jesus. Every person is born with a God-shaped vacuum on the inside. And no matter what they try to do, nothing but Jesus can fill that vacuum. I can almost guarantee if you'll do that, you'll eventually be the one that wants to share Jesus with them. Um, one of our graduates went to Wales, right, at first. Andrzej, one of our Polish graduates. He's a pharmacist, and he got a really good job in Wales. And he started going to a Methodist, spirit-filled Methodist church there. 
and they were doing something that he got involved in. Every Friday, they go to a certain park, to a certain park bench. They have a big banner that they put up over the park bench, and it says, Healing Here. And as people walk by, they ask them, Are you sick? Do you have any problems in your body? Do you need healing? And they would have them go sit on the park bench and pray for them, and people were being healed. And then that opened the door to share the gospel with them. Well, our folks in Poland heard about that. After we left, they didn't, I don't think they heard about it until after we were gone. They started doing the same thing in Poland, and the same thing started happening. People started being healed and opened the door to share the gospel with them. And then there are other ways to share the gospel that don't involve face-to-face contact. But before I say that, let me say this. I was very encouraged when I heard Reinhard Bonnke say something. Anybody ever heard of him? He's in heaven now, but in his heyday, he was holding huge evangelism crusades in Africa. I think in one, one night in a huge crusade in Africa, one million people got saved with cards filled out to prove it. So anyway, I mean, he's a mass evangelist. But I heard him say this. He said, I'm not very good one-on-one. He said, I don't have any problem standing before crowds of thousands. But he said, you get me with somebody one-on-one? And he said, I'm just not very good at that. That made me feel so good. Because <laughs> I thought, yeah, I can stand before a lot of people and, and preach and teach. But get me one-to-one, you know. But I, I, there's boldness. God will give us boldness. There's no excuse. Jesus didn't say, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel unless you're shy, unless you're an introvert. He made no exceptions, no exclusions. So those of us that tend to be on the more shy side, we need to tap into the boldness of God because it's available for us. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 1 says, the righteous are bold as a lion. So we need to confess that over ourselves. I am bold as a lion. But again, let me get into these ways, and I'm, I don't, I'm not going to go much longer. Uh, ways to share the gospel that don't involve face-to-face contact. We can write letters. My friend and I did that in high school. Also, when I was in high school, I led two young men in prison to the Lord through writing letters to them. You know, is there somebody on your heart that you haven't seen for a long time? Maybe a, an old friend a family member, and you're pretty sure they're not saved. How about writing them a letter and sharing the gospel with them in a letter? Leave tracks in public places. Like I said, when I heard that testimony about that little man in Australia, I became a track passer outer. I think I invented that word, but anyway. But the kinds of tracks we leave are important. We don't need to leave tracks with flames of fire all on them. You're going to hell. You know, Larry shared, did you share that this morning? I guess you did. That's the only time you've spoken here so far. About how when he was on a job years ago before he got saved, there was a man and he was a Christian and bless his heart, he was trying to lead Larry to Jesus, but he was going about it all wrong. He kept telling Larry, you're a sinner and you're going to go to hell. You're going to burn in hell. Larry already knew that. He needed to know how to avoid going to hell and burning in hell. So be sure that the tracks you leave or hand to other people are good news and not bad news. I have a track written by Billy Graham's daughter, Ann Graham Lotz, L-O-T-Z is her last name, and it's entitled, God Will Forgive You. Now that's good news. Most people 
have something, especially if they're not saved, that they think, I'm not sure if God could ever forgive me for this. But it's God will forgive you. And I leave it in hotel rooms with money for the housekeeper. I've, you know, like I said, I've got Spanish ones now because in many hotels, the, the, the housekeeping staff is Spanish-speaking. You can get that tract that I talked about, God Will Forgive You, or other tracts. If you don't have a local Christian bookstore, do you, that has tracts, good. Otherwise, there's an online store called Mardell, M-A-R-D-E-L.com, Mardell.com. They have a lot of tracts. And in their search engine, up, you know, the little magnifying glass place where you type in something you want to look for. If you'll just type in God will forgive you, it'll bring up that track. So that's Mardell, M-A-R-D-E-L dot com. Make sure that any track you have includes a, a prayer for salvation. If it doesn't, you know, that's like having a fish on a hook and then taking it out of his mouth and throwing him back in, in the lake. They, you need to not only hook them, but, but get them into the kingdom. And if you're going to leave a tract in a restaurant, please don't just leave a tract and no money. And if you leave a tract, leave a good tip. When I was teaching at Rama, I had uh, youth ministry students was my main focus there. And some of my youth ministry students were waiters and waitresses in restaurants. And they told me, they said, our unsaved friends that are waiters and waitresses hate to have the Sunday afternoon shift. They said, we hate it, we hate it, we hate it. Those, those Christians, they complain about everything. They send everything back because they don't like it. And then they'll leave a track and nothing else. Or a track and a dollar bill or something. And that is a horrible witness. It's better not to leave a track at all if you don't have enough money to leave a decent tip. But anyway, off my soapbox on that. Those of you that are that are... Into social media, we're not. It all passed us by while we were on the mission field. But, you know, on, on Facebook or Twitter, I don't know how much you can put on Twitter, but anyway, you can put like a very short testimony or a salvation testimony and a brief prayer to receive Jesus. People may unfriend you, but so what? At least they've read the gospel. <laughs> but don't argue with people. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. I'm reading it out of the New American Standard. It says it's the kindness of God. Other translations say it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, not arguing to prove that you're right. Another thing you can do is pray for the unsaved. Pray for the unsaved. That their hearts will be prepared, just like Jesus told in the, in the parable of the sower, that their hearts will be good soil to receive the seed of the word. Jesus said in Matthew 13, 23, now he's, they're going to put the King James up, I guess, but there's something that the New American Standard includes, and it's in the Greek, that's not in other translations. It, Jesus said that a man who has a heart that's good soil hears the word, and this is what New American Standard adds, and understands it. Is that in the King James? Understand this. Okay, excuse me. Understand it. <laughs> Understanding is so important. Many people hear the gospel and it just goes right over their head. They say, I'm not interested. Larry used to say that's for weak men and old women. Isn't that what you used to say? 
So they need to have understanding. And there's a reason that they don't have understanding. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, the God of this world, little g God, that's the devil. Jesus called him the ruler of this world. The Bible calls him the prince of the power of the air. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So that's why there's so many people that hear the gospel over and over and over again, and it never affects them because they've been blinded by the enemy. They've been deceived by the enemy. Is there anything we can do about that? Yes, we have authority over the enemy, especially if it's a certain person that you're believing God for, a family member, a co-worker, a friend. Take authority in the name of Jesus. I bind you, Satan. You cannot blind them to the truth of the gospel. When they hear the gospel, it will penetrate their heart. They will have understanding. They'll see it with new eyes. They'll see it as the best thing they've ever heard about, which it is. And But you have to pray that fairly consistently. You say, well, wait a minute. I thought we just believe we receive and thank God do we see the answer. That is true for you, your needs, using your faith. You find a scripture. You take it to the Father and say, Father, you said by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. Now I believe I receive and I just thank you for it until it is totally manifested in my body. But when you're, when you're praying for other people, their will is involved. And you don't have authority over their will. Even God won't violate their will. If he would, everybody on earth would get saved right this second and we'd all go to heaven, right? So when you're dealing with other people, you're dealing with their wills. And so you have to be consistent in breaking that power of the enemy to blind them because he is persistent. If that's the only positive thing, I guess it's not positive. but He is persistent. And so he'll keep coming back, coming back. We have to break the power of the enemy over their minds to blind them to the truth of the gospel. I'm convinced if people saw Jesus for who he really is rather than the way religion has portrayed him, very few people would reject him. But they've heard so much garbage about how God's mad at them and he's vengeful and he's judging them and, you know, all kinds of bad stuff. He's making them sick. He's burning their house to the ground. He's taking their job. He's making their cat die. Every bad thing that happens, it was the will of God. No, 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 no. But that's, that's religion for you. We can pray for laborers to reach them. Matthew 9, verse 38. Matthew 9, verse 38. Jesus said, Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You know, God knows who each person will listen to. And it may not be you. It's hard sometimes for a family member to receive the gospel from you because they have to admit they're wrong and you're right. And not everybody can do that. I'm not saying that you can't reach a family member. I'm just saying pray about it and make sure that if it's you, that you know it's you, and God will show you what to say and how to reach them. But he does know who they will listen to. And as you pray, he can send that labor across their path. And it may not be a person. It could be a movie, like The Passion of the Christ. It could be a TV program, a radio program. How many testimonies have we heard of somebody that was just late at night, they were up late, couldn't get to sleep, they're flipping through the channels, and suddenly they land on somebody preaching the gospel and they get saved. Or it could be a book. My brother was totally backslidden for years. 
He grew up in church just like I did, but then he got away from the Lord when he was in college. And uh, But there was somebody that wrote a book in the, at the beginning of 1988, and they entitled it, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 88. Well, they were totally wrong. Jesus did not come back in 1988. But my brother got a hold of that book and read it, and it put the fear of God in him in a good way. And I remember him calling me, and he said, Angela, I've given my life back to Jesus, and I'm going to serve him all the days of my life. And he did. He got involved in his church. He became a soul winner. Uh, at his funeral, he, was, he went to a Baptist church. At his funeral, three Baptist pastors came up to me and said, if it hadn't been for your brother, I would have quit the ministry. So he did some good things. Pray that God will plant thoughts in the minds of lost people to ask if he's real. We, we did an underground Bible school in Turkey a number of years ago when we were still on the mission field. And all of our students came across the border from Iran. So we had Iranian students. Now, they were born again. It's interesting. I mean, they wanted to meet with us at break time and before and after school with an interpreter and tell us how they got saved. And I would say 80 to 85% of them got saved when Jesus appeared to them, either in a dream or in a vision. So we need to keep praying for the Muslim world because Jesus is doing amazing things to reach them. But anyway, we heard the story of this pastor that we met in Turkey. He had been in jail in Iran. He was in there for cutting the arm off a judge. <laughs> so he was probably facing the death penalty. And one night laying in his bunk, I don't know if they have bunks in Iranian prison, probably not, probably the hard concrete floor, but anyway, he looked up to the ceiling and he said, if there's really a God, show yourself to me. Thirty minutes later, Jesus walked into his jail cell. He miraculously somehow managed to get out of prison, escape from prison, and took his family over into Turkey. And now he pastors a church of Iranian people inside of Turkey. So the thought came to his mind just to call out and ask if God was real. Listen, I don't care who they are, the most hardened criminal, whoever they are. When they get away from their circle of influence and they lay their head on the pillow at night, that emptiness on the inside is crying out. And if we're praying, I believe God can plant the thought in their mind to just say, I don't even know if you exist. But if you do, prove it to me. Show yourself to me. And there's that open door for God to do that. Pray for those. This is the last point. Pray for those who are evangelizing the lost. Uh, I pray for crusade evangelists all the time, that God would open doors to them. They have to have favor with governments, city officials, sometimes even the military. Uh, pray for their protection. I pray for their health, you know, because they have to eat all kinds of strange, weird stuff. <laughs> I pray for finances. I pray for equipment. I pray for people to help them. But that can be true for people right here in America or even lay people who are just out reaching people for Jesus. Pray for protection for them. This is a wicked place that we live right now. It's unbelievable what's happened just in the last 20 years, how our nation has changed. So pray for their protection. Pray for their health. Pray for finances. Pray for workers to work with them. Whatever comes to your heart. But we can pray for those who are reaching the unsaved. So there are a lot of different methods for planting the gospel seed in others, and I've just shared a few. God may give you ideas that I hadn't even thought about of how to reach people. But I'm challenging you tonight. If you're not already actively doing something,
to reach the lost, to plant the gospel seed, please start doing it. You know, ask God, Lord, what can I do? Show me what I can do. Don't put it off any longer. And there's so many rewards in heaven. The Bible talks about a soul winner's crown. I want one of those. I bet it's going to be nice. But, you know, we have only to read the headlines and the message that I presented last night of all the signs that are coming to pass to know that Jesus' coming is very close. We need to do everything we can to reach people. Because, like I said last night, the tribulation is going to be horrible. Half of the population won't even survive it much less have good opportunities to hear the gospel once the Antichrist is in power. So we want to take people with us in the rapture. Amen? Well, let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you. I believe this message has fallen on good ground. I believe everyone here tonight, Lord, is good ground, even people that are watching by the Internet. Father, I thank you that if we're not already doing something to reach the lost, that you'll drop seed in our heart, that you'll plant ideas and thoughts in our heart. Show us what each one of us can do, Lord, to plant the gospel seed in others. And I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you that this message will be brought back to their remembrance at just the time they need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I talked about boldness and how we need boldness. And do you know that the prayer for boldness is a prayer that God answers? Quickly, he answers it. In Acts chapter 4, and verse 29, we read about how, I didn't give you that, that verse back there. Um, we read about how Peter and John were brought in to the, by the religious authorities. They were threatened. They were told not to preach and teach anymore in the name of Jesus. They went back to their own company, and the, they prayed together for boldness. And immediately that prayer was answered. The Bible says the building where they were was shaken and they were all filled with boldness. And so that's a prayer that God will answer. And if there are those of you here tonight and you say, I need more boldness. I need more boldness to share the gospel. I can't give you boldness. Larry can't give you boldness. But God can. And we just want to lay hands on you and agree with you that you will have boldness and have ideas of what to do. I believe God gives people witty ideas, different ideas for different people to show them how to reach others with the gospel. So if you want hands laid on you for boldness, I just invite you to come up. We will pray with you. We will agree with you. And we'll believe God that you will have more boldness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are head usher. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Yes, thank you, Father. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Ideas. Ideas and boldness. Boldness, Lord. Wisdom to know how to operate within the laws that govern her profession. <laughs> Wisdom, Lord, and boldness. Wisdom and boldness and great results. Great results. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for our sister. We lay hands on her yes. and we agree with her yes. boldness. for boldness. Give her boldness, Father. Father. Widen her circle you, of influence. Lord. 
widen her circle of influence, Father. Put your words, words in her mouth. Say, words so wide that she'll the people be, can't resist it. In Jesus' says. name. We thank because you, Because of that Father. boldness, Lord. Yes, thank you, thank Lord. You. Thank, thank you, Lord. Lord. We lay hands boldness, on our sister. Yes, boldness, we thank you, Father boldness. God, for putting your words on her lips. She won't even have to worry about it. She won't even have to think thank about you, it, Father. Father. That boldness, boldness, boldness will come on her and the words will just flow out Jesus of her name. like rivers of living water. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you, Father, for yep. specific Thank people, you, Father. Specific people that you've called her to reach, Father. And she'll know it. She'll know it. She'll identify them immediately and say, that's one I'm called to reach that that's person. That's right. Thank we you. thank you for it in thank Jesus' you, Lord. name. Thank boldness. you, Father. Pastors need great yeah. boldness. More and we boldness. thank you, Lord, for greater you, boldness. Yeah. Greater boldness. Greater influence in this Not community, Not only for this Father. congregation, that's but right. When he's out and about, Father, I thank you that he has boldness to share your word, yep. share the gospel with other people that he comes in contact with. Thank you, Father. With. And they'll hear what he has yes. to say. There's a measure of honor and respect upon him. It just engenders, if that's the right word, respect from others as he comes in contact with them, Father. Thank you. Place that anointing yes. on him and give him boldness, Father, you, Father, to share it in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for our sister. Yeah. We lay hands on her. Boldness. And I thank you, Father, she has boldness, great boldness. <coughs> Excuse me. Great boldness to share the gospel. That's right. To plant gospel seeds in the lives of others that she comes in contact with, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for great influence, greater influence, greater influence, Father. A larger circle of influence for her in Jesus' name. The word flowing out of her mouth in yeah. wisdom to other people, Father. Yeah. Mm, meeting their need. Meeting their need in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God, for Thank our you. brother. Yeah. We thank you for boldness, uh, great boldness, mm. great boldness, Lord. Speak your word. He knows enough. He knows word, enough Father. already, Lord. Not he knows enough. By those he knows enough to tell people. He knows enough to tell people. Oh, Father, I thank you. I thank you for great wisdom coming out of His mouth, and great boldness to deliver thank Your you, word yes. to those that He comes in contact with. His circle of friends, His circle of influence, Father. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank, thank you, Lord. Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank Father, you, I Father. thank you for our sister. I thank you for boldness. Yeah. Boldness. Thank you. Boldness. Thank you, thank you Lord. Boldness. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. An anointing of boldness. Fire. 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 Fire in her heart. Thank you. Fire in her mouth. In the name of Jesus, Father. Send her to people. Send her to people, Lord. To certain ones. To certain ones. Hmm. Seems like maybe there's already somebody on her heart. I could be wrong about that. But, Lord, I thank you that her prayers go ahead of yes. her and that the influence is there when she arrives. Thank you, Lord. They're ready to hear it. They're ready to receive it. In Jesus' name. Yeah. Thank you for our sister, Father. Thank you, Father. Still in school, right? Thank you, Lord, for boldness. Boldness. I thank you, Father God, that people, she will be like a light, like a light in that school. That people's, people will be drawn to her. They won't even know why. They'll just be drawn to her, Lord. And the door will be opened by the things they say as they encounter her, Father God. They'll Thank open you. the door themselves. Thank It'll be easy. And that boldness will be there, Father God. And she'll know exactly what to say to each one. We thank you for it, Father. Make her a great influence in that school. 
in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Derek. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thank you for all those opportunities he gets. All those opportunities, Lord. And he has wisdom, again, like we prayed for the doctor, to know how to operate within the framework and the rules and the laws and all that stuff in the hospital, Lord. But he'll do it, and he'll do it successfully. And great will be the results. Great will be the fruit, Lord. He just will know who to, who right. to speak to thank and who you. not to, Lord. Thank you. I thank you for it. I thank you for it, for boldness, great boldness, great boldness, great boldness in Jesus' name. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Father, I lay hands on my sister, and I thank you for boldness. Ah. I thank you for boldness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for influence. And a, yeah. And influence. A spirit of wisdom. Influence. And a spirit of wisdom. Influence. And a spirit influence of wisdom. going out from thank her, you, Father God, that people will be receptive to her. That people will be open That's to her, right. Lord. Yes. Thank you. And she'll know exactly what to say to them. She'll have the exact words that meet their need. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We lay hands on our brother, Father. Thank and you, we Lord. thank you yeah. for boldness. Great boldness. Boldness, Father God, as he goes about That's his daily right. life. We ask you to lead him to people who are ready to receive. Lead him to people that are ready to receive, Father God, and that boldness will come over him, and he'll step out and he'll share the gospel with them in a powerful way. That's right. In a powerful Thank way. You, not backing down, not ashamed at all. They'll see there's something real in this man, and I want it. Yeah. I want it. <laughs> we thank you for it, Father. <laughs> we thank you for it in yeah. Jesus' name. Boldness. Thank boldness. You. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank yeah. you, Lord, for our sister. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Lord, for more boldness. Yeah. More boldness. She's already bold, but more boldness. And not just in the prison, but going about her daily life, yes. Father. I thank you that you bring people across her path. Some people, hmm, some people that are close to, close to death. And she'll have the word for them. Yep. That very word, word that will unlock heaven. their heart. That will unlock their heart. And Father, I thank you. As she goes into those prisons, she's divinely protected. That boldness is upon her, Father. And the women are open to her. I thank you that you put divine influence on her to such a degree, Father, that they will just look up to her and be open like little birds with their mouths open, just ready to receive the word. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it. Divine protection. Yes. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for Zach. Thank you, Father, for boldness. Yes. Great boldness, Lord. I thank you that his life will be a testimony to others. I thank you, Father God, that as they see the way he does his job. That's right. The excellence with which he does his job. It will be a witness to them. It will open doors for him to share, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for... An influence that radiates out from him to others, Lord, that will just draw them to him. And you will put the right words in his mouth at the right time. I thank you, Father. He'll have great boldness, great boldness to share your word. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, it's just amazing if you just make that first step and begin to talk to people because we've got 
the one that wrote the Bible living in the inside of us. And you'll be amazed at the scriptures that will flow out of you and the things that you'll, you'll say to others. The word of wisdom, word of knowledge can operate in that when just sharing things with people. Just listen on the inside. That When we pray, we leave our mics on because we want everybody to hear. You know, that's how we learned how to minister, by listening to others. And a lot of times we don't know what to say. I don't say that as a confession on a regular basis, <laughs> you know. It's just the truth, but though. I just listen on the inside, and he tells us what to say. And sometimes we say things specific that we don't know anything about you. Now, if we were your pastors, we'd probably know more about you. But naturally speaking, because we pastored 18 years, and, you know, we just learn to listen on the inside and say what God says. Yeah. And that boldness, it, it, the, it's kind of like a snowball rolling down the hill. It's small in the beginning, but as it rolls down the hill, it doesn't get smaller, does it? It gets bigger, and it rolls faster. And that, that's, that's the way this life that we're talking about, sowing the gospel seed. The more you do it, the easier it'll get. There's nothing more exciting than leading somebody yeah. to Jesus. Yeah. Nothing more rewarding than leading somebody to Jesus. Yeah. Uh, who is it that's been having a problem with their shoulders? <laughs> okay. Is it the, is it the rotator cuffs? Right in there, in the name of Jesus. Yes. Is there pain there now? Little. Little pain. We speak to you, and we command you to leave. But yes. we don't want to speak That's to right. the symptom. We want to speak to the root of the problem. Yes. We command change That's right. in the name of Jesus. The anointing causes change in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for relaxing that muscle. Yep. Relieving the distending. Everything in place. Yes. Everything Thank in you, place Lord. in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Was there something you couldn't do? Or it was difficult? When you did do it, um, well, can't touch the center of my back. I would, a lot of people can raise cars and do that. <laughs> you mean like th like this? Yeah, I used to be able to. Yeah. Check it. That's better. Okay. Did Thank it you, hurt Lord. when you did it? Thank you. No. Nope. That what you started. Yep. You be, you God. finish that what you started. I thank you that you finish it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now you need your shoulders and what you do, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you, Lord. You. We release the anointing into every muscle, every ligament, every tendon, into the rotator cuffs. In Jesus' name, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for wholeness. In these shoulders, if there are any deposits of calcium in these shoulders, I command them, command it to dissolve in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, any form of arthritis, bursitis, any other kind of itis, it's not of God, and it has to go. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it, Father. Pain free, That's freedom right. of movement you, without pain. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. 
Thank, Thank you, Lord. Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now do something. Now you be honest with okay. us. Okay, so my shoulders are great. However, it's like, I, I don't know if it's my shoulders or what that is. I don't but know what that is either. But we're going to let the Lord take care of it. Yeah. In Jesus' name, if there's a knot there, it has to go down. That's right. If that muscle is knotted up right there, it has to relax, relax, relax in Jesus' name. Pain, go. If it's a disc, if it's a vertebra, we command it to be made whole, be normal in Jesus' name. Thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it. Now move that neck around like you were doing. That's really great. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Is anybody here having trouble with your thyroid? Okay, well, one finished. more thing. But I'm going to call thyroid next. Be thinking about it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, Excellent. thank you, Father. Again, we release the anointing yeah. into the rotator cuff, all the muscles, ligaments, tendons, everything across his back, every disc, every vertebra in place in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father God, that you strengthen yep, his muscles. You strengthen working. the ligaments. You strengthen Your the tendons. Your anointing's tendon, working Father in God. these areas at the root thank of you, the Lord. problem. Yes. At the root of the problem. The root. And if not there is pain, any calcium deposits, they have to dissolve. But that which causes that, Any Father. form of rheumatism or arthritis, name, bursitis has to we go. We command it so. In Jesus' name. We thank you for it, Father. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. Thank you. He needs the shoulders. Yeah. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I believe that heavy lifting won't be a long-term job. Yeah. <laughs> You're in full agreement, right? So, thyroid. Anybody having trouble with your thyroid? Come right up. You mind if I put my hand there? But you I still can. have your thyroid. Okay, we don't need a creative miracle then. In the name of Jesus. Yeah. I command this thyroid to be perfectly regulated in Jesus' name. The anointing working. You work properly, working, thyroid, working, in working. the name of Jesus. No more difficulty. No more difficulty. No more symptoms, effects. Function properly, thyroid, in the mighty name of Jesus. That's right. I thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. I thank you. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hello again. Yeah. Is it okay if I put my hand on your neck? Thank you. We release the anointing into this yes. thyroid. We command it to function properly in Jesus' name. Perfect balance or whatever. I'm probably not saying it right, Maddie. Perfect balance in this thyroid in Jesus' name. It won't overproduce. It won't underproduce. It'll produce exactly the right amount of That's whatever right. it produces. <laughs> we have to call on the doctor for this one. Anyway, thank you, Lord, for a normally functioning thyroid in Jesus' name. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Sometimes we just have to kind of describe things the best way we know. Make it up if you don't know. 
If you've been diagnosed with something incurable, not terminal, but incurable. Or terminal. You know, sometimes uh, through medication and different treatments and stuff, we can live with stuff. You can't necessarily get rid of it, but it's, it's incurable according to medicine. Is that anybody? <laughs> Come back up. <laughs> she, she's like, oh, I'm going back up. Well, that's okay. Might as well just get the overdose, or not the overdose. And those of you on the internet, you know, if, if some of these things that we've called out, if that's you, just just say that's me. Yeah. That's just Claim me. Claim it. Take it. Take it at home. Thank you, Lord. All right, Father. We thank I speak you. to the root of that incurable yes, in thing, Jesus and I name. command it to bow its knee, That's and I permit right. it to function or operate in her body any longer. Any way except normally. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. There's nothing incurable. No with you. more. And no you, Father, more. God, the anointing the breaks the head yoke in that to the area. the soles of her feet, healing flows. That's right. Healing flows. Wholeness flows in Jesus' name. Every organ, I speak to every organ in this body. Yes. Every system in this body, and I command you in Jesus' name, function normally. And we thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. <laughs> thank you. We release that anointing. Yeah. To flow from the top of her head to the soles of her feet, saturating every system of her body, every organ in her body. We command them all to function normally now, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. No more of these symptoms. In the name of Jesus, be gone. I thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord, on either of them. No spirit of infirmity can be outside around their body harassing them and enforcing these things in Jesus' name. We break your power and you go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for that healing power flowing through your body. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. That's all I have. Okay. Thank Good. Good. Well, thank you for there. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We yes. thank you. We speak in to Jesus the root name. of this. Yes. In Jesus' the name. The very root of it. Working at the root. That's right. Working at the root. Anointing. Causing every yes. organ to function properly in Everything the name of Jesus. Your anointing working normally. at the root of this. We curse causing that disease change. in the name of Jesus and command causing him to get out change. of his body. Get out of his body. That's in right. Jesus name. Thank you, Father. Normal in every way. There's in the nothing name of incurable Jesus. with you. That's right. There's nothing impossible That's right. with you, Father. That's right. And we thank you that anointing you, is Lord. correcting that. Yes, yes, yes. The anointing is correcting yes. that now in and Jesus' name. And I release name. the anointing to flow throughout his That's bloodstream right. in every artery. Vein, capillary, all throughout his bloodstream, dissolving any form of blockage in Jesus' name. Yeah. 
Thank you, Father God. Blood flows freely throughout his body from his head to his toe. Normally, all the passageways free and clear in Jesus' name. Every chamber of his heart free and clear of any kind of blockage in Jesus' name. Yeah. Opening and closing normally in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank, thank you, Father. Uh, I'm going to ask something, but I just ask everyone to close their eyes. I'm not going to call you up here. I'm just going to deal with it the way the Lord tells me. And, uh, you know, sometimes things are private and they need to stay private. But uh, so with everybody's eyes closed, I'm going to ask this question. If you've been tormented in your mind, harassed, just overcoming fear, just slip your hand up and set it back down. Who is that? I see that hand. Anybody else? Any, anybody on the internet as well? Okay, everybody can look. So now in, in Jesus' name, I just speak to that harassing spirit, that lying devil that's been on assignment in that person's life, and I break its power right now. I command you to be free in the name of Jesus. Devil, you're a liar. God, God didn't give that person a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Right. I thank you they're free. Yeah. No more harassing thoughts That's in right. the name of Jesus. Jesus and I thank you, Father, that that person has the peace of God that passes all understanding and keeps their heart and their mind through Christ Jesus. We thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that you reveal these things so that you can deal with these things. Yes, now, we thank you, you they're free, free, free in Jesus' name. Yes, thank you, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it. Um, I believe we're going to have a general healing line tomorrow night. Yeah. But if there should be someone here and you can't be here tomorrow night and you want hands laid on you, come in. We'll minister to you tonight. Anyone that can't be here tomorrow night that wants hands laid on I don't know if that means everybody's going to be here or they don't need hands laid on them for healing. Either way, either way, we're good. Okay. Well, thank you, guys. There we are. I was playing with buttons. Glory to God. Now, that same scripture that Miss Angela used for praying for boldness. I prayed that same scripture years ago. Um, and so I encourage you to go read Acts chapter 4 and meditate on it. Read it, meditate it, imagine in your mind what that situation was like. Um, and just like God gave them boldness, he'll give you boldness. Because I've walked in it. And uh, But I'm going to tell you, it's not going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. God is not going to open your mouth and use you like a puppet. You have to apply the word. You have to meditate on it. You have to think on it. You need to mutter to yourself, I have the boldness of God. I have the boldness of God. Another thing you can meditate is I'm led and I speak by the Spirit. I'm led and I speak by the Spirit. And you're going to be led to people that you don't, realize God's even led you to. We had a situation in our family. Um, uh, I had a stepdad that was my dad for, to me for years and years and years, and 
his sister had seven kids, and anytime one of the seven kids got in trouble, they got sent to Uncle Richard and Aunt Ann's house. So I grew up with them. Um, but but they always dealt with mom and my dad Richard, and and uh, you know we got up in the adult years, and Richard went home to heaven, and uh, we didn't know that for a long time. We didn't know because uh, nobody talked about it. In fact, I it was five or seven years before mom had peace <clears throat> that uh, that the Lord told him, told her by the Spirit that he's there in heaven, and. Uh, so that was hard on the family, and, and uh, our family just went through a hard time one spell after another. And one of these kids, who are now an adult and had kids of his own, um, he just hit a, raw, a hard spot in his life. His oldest son had just graduated from high school and had just decided to go into the ministry. Uh, hadn't even gotten, hadn't even really got to tell the family, but one family member that that was what he had decided to do. Now you got to understand my family to understand. Uh, they're a little wild. They're a little crazy, and I'm saying it nice. Uh, but, uh, he, you know, he just graduated, got a car and what have you, and he was driving too fast, and he flew off the mountain at over 100 miles an hour and died instantly. And uh, so my, my cousin lost his oldest son. Then his house burned down. A couple months later, lost everything that his son, that the, of his sons. And then a couple months later, he... he uh, had a heart attack a couple months later, somewhere in this vicinity. His wife left him for a man that was in prison. I mean, it was just one thing after the other. And, you know, I was just the punky kid because I was younger than them, so I was the punky kid. And basically, my role in his life was I was who he picked on. That was my role. <laughs> you know, the one that he just kind of picked on. But when all this happened, I had prayed for boldness. And, and, um, he'd, and at this point, he's driving a truck cross-country and what have you, and he'd call at night. He'd call 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, and uh, he'd get, and, and Mom would answer the phone, and he'd start, he'd say, well, I'm just calling to tell you goodbye. I can't take it anymore. I'm fixing to drive my rig off the mountainside. And Mom just looked at me with panic in her face, just, what you know, what do we do? What do we do? And I, I don't know. I don't know. And and she talked to him, and, and she just she she just she just lost her husband not too too long before that, and she'd just say, "Mike, Robbie's got to talk to you." And she'd hand me the phone, and I'd I'd be standing there going, uh, "I don't know what to do," but I had prayed for boldness, and I had been confessing, "I'm led by the Spirit, I'm led by the Spirit, I'm led by the Spirit." So by the Spirit, just down on the inside, the, the Holy Spirit said, "Don't let him off the phone. Whatever you do, don't let him off the phone." And he said, he said, here comes a big curve. I'm getting ready to go. And I said, well, if you're going to do it, I'm going to have to hear it because I'm not getting off the phone. This is what the Holy Ghost was telling me to do. And I said, so don't you dare. you know? And, and I had never led anybody to Christ. And I just started talking to him about heaven. And I started talking to him about how his son was in heaven. But that, it, that and his son was in his future unless he allowed the devil to convince him to drive off that cliff, in which case his son would be in heaven and he'd be in hell. And we went on like this for, I don't know, about a month. He'd call three times a, two, two, to three, two to three times a month, two to three times a week over a period of a month to two months. And finally, at about, I don't know, 2.30 in the morning, one morning, I said, he said, he just weeping and crying, and you could hear the truck coming down the road. He'd just be weeping and crying. And I said, 
Mike, just, just pray with me. Just pray with me. And he finally said, do you, do you think it'll help? I said, I know it'll help. I didn't have a clue. <laughs> I just, other than what was in my spirit. And I said, I know that it'll help. And uh, he said, you promise? He said, you promise God's real? I said, I promise. And, uh, and I, said, I said, I promise he's real. And I'm thinking, God, you better show up. God, you better show up. Oh, God, you better show up. But I wasn't going to let him know that. And, uh, and he prayed that prayer with me. And oh, my goodness. God turned his life around. Now I told now when I say he lived wild, he lived wild, and uh, he's he's had some issues in his body. But I tell you what, God did for that man. He brought him a he brought him a God fearing wife that knows the scriptures, that knows how to stand on healing, and she loves him and she takes care of him and she talks to him about Jesus all the time. And he'll call every now and again. He'll get mom on the phone. And they'll just sit and talk for a couple of hours about Jesus. He doesn't talk to me. He talks to her, which is fine. But God used me instead of her. See, so God will use you. What my point is, is God will use you for people you don't realize. But what you just have to do is you just have to let the the Lord just begin to speak to you. And the other thing I want you to understand is how God works is you're not going to know everything to say right off the bat. You're not going to know. You're going to be standing there listening to you're going to be they're going to be talking to you and you need to be listening to the Holy Ghost. You need to be listening to the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost may give you literally one word. Literally one word. You might have you might hear I don't know, you might hear frogs in your mind and and you'll say, "Well, let me talk to you about frogs." And you're thinking in your head, "Frogs?" And the next thing you know, God's got you talking about frogs. In some, I'm just using this example in some way, and it's going to minister to that person, and it's going to connect to that person. And, and the next thing you're going to know, you're going to go, "Wow, God, that was really good. I didn't know I knew that." But God knows, and I'm just using that as an example. You'll walk away. I don't know how many times uh, Michael, myself, and Mom have walked away from conversations going, "I didn't know I knew that." What is that? That's the boldness of God. That's the boldness of God. I've talked to Brianna about uh, about milking cows. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm typing it in a text message. I'm going, man, I didn't know I knew all this about cows. But it helped her learn meditation. And uh, so just, just know, he might just give you one word, just be faithful with it. And, and I, honestly, we had a gentleman in one church one time, he used to say this. We'd say, man, you do a good job doing playing the guitar you know doing music and he we said how'd you learn or when'd you learn to play the guitar he said i don't know how we said what he said he said i just was praying one day and the lord said i want you to play the guitar he said so i picked it up and started playing it and i said really and i said well what's that like he says i just stand there move my fingers and let god do the work and i didn't understand it i did not comprehend that until i prayed for boldness and i started talking to people about jesus And things started coming out of me that I didn't know was in me. And you literally just stand there and watch it. I mean, the words are coming out of your mouth, but you stand there and you watch it happen. And you walk away going, wow, is that me? And it's just that simple. So be obedient and and, and listen to the Holy Ghost. And when something comes up, just say it. Because he only gives you a word or two in in a moment. Because if he gave you the whole answer, you'd mess it up.
<laughs> just let him let him speak through you. That's all I have. Oh, okay. Well, as you can tell, she doesn't really need the prayer for boldness. <laughs> I had already done it. I had already done it. Well, anymore. And and but and and a lot of you have known me in recent years, and you may not know that I'm a I'm an introvert from way back, uh, way back. Think of the shyest kid you knew in high school. That was me. I didn't talk to anybody. Uh, at one point, I realized I talked to my cat more than I talked to people. Literally. Uh, right. But God brought me through that. You know, um, you, you spoke about letters. Um, when, when I went to youth camp, I was still that shy kid. Uh, and every person in my church wrote me a letter. And there were people from other churches that wrote me letters. And I, I still have those letters. They're in my closet right now. But part of boldness, uh, another scripture for that, is, is you have to overcome fear. Because that's where, that's where shyness comes from, is fear. You know, I still stand up here, and I'm, I still stand up here, and, and when I read, I'm looking down. When I, a, lot, a lot of times when I'm preaching, I'm looking down. I'm not looking at everybody else, because sti I still have, not anymore. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say that. I flunked out, of, I flunked out of, um, out of English, uh, college English lit, not because I couldn't read or because I didn't enjoy reading, but because I wouldn't stand in front of the class and, and, and give a report. I wouldn't do it. I refused to do it. They said, well, you're going to fail. I said, I guess I'm going to fail then. <laughs> uh, but. So a scripture for, for overcoming fear is Second uh, Timothy 1, verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So if, if you have fear, that's a good one to stand on. And I don't know about y'all, but I feel bolder and I feel healthier right now than I have in, ever. <laughs> Glory to God. Um, Glory to God. But here's the deal. If you say, well, I don't feel a thing. I don't feel like anything's changed. It's still there. It's still there. Still there. Still bubbling up on the inside. Are you done? I was done. Okay. Enough. Good job. I could go on, but we, right. but we don't want to be here all night. Right. But uh, you got to get some rest for tomorrow morning. Got to get some rest for tomorrow morning. But just know. So just begin to walk around and just just begin to declare, I have boldness. I have boldness. I have boldness in the Holy Ghost. I have boldness in the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm going to give you, a, I'm, I, I do want to tell you that this prayer comes with a warning label. It comes with a warning label. Because what's going to happen if you're praying much in the Holy Ghost and you're confessing, I'm bold as a lion. I have the boldness of the Holy Ghost. Every once in a while, the Holy Ghost will come up and he'll come flying out of your mouth faster than you can catch it. And the whole room will go quiet. When that happens, do not apologize for the Holy Ghost. Do not apologize for the Holy Ghost when that happens. But, but in certain situations, you might want to try to catch it. <laughs> but
Well, glory to God. I think I left my, no, did I bring it up? Did I bring my tithe and my offering up? I think I, I left don't it know. over there. All right. Are oh, you looking at it? Okay. I forgot one thing. Oh, go ahead. Because that's, that's part of my whole shyness thing is I forget what I'm going to say. <laughs> but um, so the letters. Went to youth camp um, and got those letters. And they, they I, got, I got filled with the Holy Ghost at a, an Episcopal youth camp. Remarkable. Um, and, and part of it Remarkable. had to do with those letters. And, and I'll tell you, if it wasn't for that youth camp, I wouldn't be standing here today because right. I would have committed suicide. Right. I, I, I would have. I was, I was so cut off from the world and from love, and, and there was such a hollowness inside of me that if I hadn't come back to the Lord there, I wouldn't be here. Glory to God. On that note, the Lord did remind me, talking about personal evangelism. I know we got to go, but we got to listen to God. Uh, I, I, you know, before God got a hold of me, I was the person that would hide in the corner of a room. I didn't like going out. I didn't like talking to people. I didn't like being in front of people. You know, I'm perfectly happy at home by myself. I'm very content there. And uh, we had uh, our, our pastor, there was a lady in our church, that uh, up and bought a van for the church. And she come and she presented it to the pastor and said, hey, I bought this van for the church. And the pastor was so excited. And, uh, and he said, wow, that's wonderful. Now we just need people to drive it and people to ride in it. And she said, well, I'll tell you what. She said, I'll, uh, I'll drive it at least for a few months. She said, but you got to get me some people that will go out and help me pass out flyers. At this point, we were on fire for God, and whatever, whatever the pastor said, we just said, okay. But he announced that, and I said, I ain't going. I, said, I ain't going. I'm not doing it. And, uh, and he was having a hard time getting anybody to go. And uh, she got up, and she said, listen, she said, I just need somebody to go with me that knows how to operate a rubber band. And I thought, well, I can operate a rubber band. I can do that. And so, uh, she, so she went and printed a bunch of flyers, and we went walking through these neighborhoods, and I always went to the doors that it didn't look like anybody was home. Those were the ones I volunteered for. Because uh, what we would do is we'd go up and we'd knock on the door, and if they'd come to the door, she'd say, hi, we're here from this so-and-so church, and we just wanted you to know that we have a van ministry. If you'd like a ride to church, we'll be happy to come and get you. Just call the phone number. So you had to say, but I wouldn't even say that. And so, but, but if you knocked on the door and nobody answered, you just rubber banded it to the door. And so I said, well, I can do that. And so we did that one weekend. I didn't have to talk to anybody. I said, well, that wasn't too bad. I went the next weekend. Didn't have to talk to anybody. I was okay with that. Went the third weekend. Had to talk to people. Got a little, got a little nervous. Well, by that weekend, we went over here to Texana and uh, knocked on some doors and talked to some people and what have you. And uh, I had already prayed and believed for this young man to come to our youth group sometime around that time and because uh, I'd seen him in the restaurant and I prayed for him and I, he's just a jolly fella and I thought Lord I want that kind of kid in my youth group he's got he's a, he's a, he's a jolly kind of feller and you can just tell he just needs love that's one I could love Lord and uh, so mom and I just prayed for him so we went past these flyers out and uh, here come this little black woman got on the van well a couple weeks later her uh, granddaughter started coming to the youth group week later I kind of got my line out of place that she was coming we'd gone into Texas and we put the flyers out 
the granddaughter started coming a week later. We're at youth, and uh, her dad rolls up to, to drop her off, and I hear the greatest little smile and laugh, and I thought, who in the world is that? And out rolled Derek. And out rolled Derek. And it was a hot, it was, it was, a, it was a lift truck, it was. And so out rolled Derek. He's been with us ever since. And so, and, and he, we've reached so many people with him and through him, and we've had such a good time. So you just don't know. You just don't know what God's going to do. You know, from hanging out, from sticking a flyer on a door, or, or passing out a track, or pray, just praying for somebody. So just, you, you, but you got to step out. You got to step out. You got to get out of your comfort zone. So when God lays something on your heart, step out. Amen. Amen. I think we better. Yeah, we probably ought to We better pray. We better pray. <laughs> Let's do our tithes and our offerings. If you have a tithe, mark it. Otherwise, it's all going to the Keatons. Everything that comes in, other than uh, church tithes, which takes care of the storehouse, um, goes to the Keatons this weekend. All right. Well, Lord, we thank you for being here with us tonight. We we thank you that that you gave the Keatons the words that were just right for those that were here, including myself, Lord. And Lord, we we just thank you for that. And we want, and we're we're so grateful. And we just we want to give into your kingdom. So we we give with a grateful heart. We give we give till we give till it hurts. And Lord, we we Lord, we just thank you that you will bless the offering, that it will go more than we could ever ask, hope, or think towards the furthering of your work, and that you will bless us in return, Lord, so that we can be a bigger blessing for, for, for those here and for the church and for those that we come in contact with. Lord, we will always be a blessing. We will always be ready to do your work. We thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you that your word is working and your word is true. Amen. Amen. You can serve the people. Father, we thank you for seed to sow.